0: Look at a skyscraper and think, wow, look at that foundation. But the truth is, the building wouldn't be able to withstand the storms it faces without the solid foundation. What is your foundation built on? Good morning, everyone. Man, the kids are taking over the church. It was an incredible week being with your kids and your grandkids and your neighbor's kids all week long. Thank you for those of us, uh, for those of you who entrusted your kids to us, for those of you who served. It was just an incredible week. And from the bottom of my heart, I want to say thank you to our church for making it possible. You say, Christian, um, honestly, Christian is a pastor, you really think 98 kids gave their hearts to Jesus? You really think that happened? I would say a couple things to that. One, um, I would say it's not my job to judge that. It's just my job to disciple that. Um, two, if I were to ever question spiritual decisions, and I shouldn't, but if I were to ever question spiritual decisions, I'd always question adult decisions more than I would kids' decisions. Because Jesus said that the heart that truly understands and embraces faith is a childlike faith. So um, I feel good about those 98 kids that said, I wanna follow Jesus. And the reason I feel really good is because we put those kids back into their parents' hands and we say, okay, disciple them. Kids have built-in discipleship in mom and dad that a lot of times adults don't have. So we send children and their parents home with this salvation parent conversation guide, which basically says, hey, your kids um, said to us that they wanted to say yes to Jesus, but mom and dad you are the spiritual leader of your household, mom and dad. You need to talk to them about Jesus, mom and dad. You need to share with them how to follow Jesus. And we want to partner with families to teach families how to lead their children spiritually. We actually do what we call a best day ever party. So when someone says yes to Jesus at our church, we say it's their best day ever. So we're doing a best day ever party for all these kids and their families on July 11th at 2 p.m. to just say, hey, mom and dad, We're entrusting your kids back to you spiritually, but we're gonna teach you how to lead your children spiritually. See, our church is not responsible to disciple your children as much as our church is responsible to disciple parents to disciple their children. Our job is to partner with mom and dad and to teach you how to lead your children spiritually. Our church turns 10 years old this September. And as we've looked at the next decade of our church and said, what do we wanna do better in the next 10 years than we did the first 10 years? This this theme of discipleship, of making disciples who make disciples, of leading followers of Jesus, not just to know Jesus, but to help other people follow Jesus, is is like the core of the next decade of our ministry. And we decided in January that we needed to go find someone with tremendous experience you <laughs> An expertise in family ministry discipleship. Someone who, for a long time, had had made their life's work discipling parents so that they could disciple their children. We talked to family ministry directors kind of all over the country. Um, we struck out a whole lot more times, and we made contacts. So we finally called um, probably the the, the most well respected family ministry director in our city. His name's John Huber. Uh, he's a family. He was a family ministry director at Westside Family Church in Lanexa for thirteen years. Uh, His church hosted once a year about a thousand family ministry directors from the Midwest would come and learn from his team and the team of consultants that he worked with nationally. Uh, He knows all the family ministry people in the Midwest. And we called him and said, John, we need a family ministry pastor. Do you want anyone who would be interested? And he said, I might be. Um, we did not anticipate that answer, but we spent about ten weeks walking, just relationally with him, with our elders and our personnel team, sharing the vision, showing him the new building. And even though he was in a great church doing great ministry, he just said, "I feel like I feel like God is calling my heart to lean into this next decade at journey." As you guys move into the new building, I see the potential of discipling parents in a way that will help them disciple their children. And I think God wants my family to be a part of this. So he and his family joined our team on Monday. John, his wife, Jenny, their boys, Elijah and Matthew. He's sitting right back there. John, stand up so we can welcome you. Would you help me welcome Pastor John Huber to our ministry team? John, we are so, so grateful to have you. I feel good about 98 kids that want to follow Jesus and 80 they want to be baptized because I know you and your team are going to put together a plan to help mom and dads accomplish that well. So, so excited John is here. Part of discipleship is having a foundation in life that survives the difficult things. And that's Matthew 7. All month long, we've been learning the foundational beliefs the followers of Jesus embraces their spiritual worldview. So we've been studying the Sermon on the Mount. This is actually message number 29 in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5 was all about becoming like Jesus. Matthew chapter 6 was all about behaving in a way that will give you inner strength spiritually. And Matthew chapter 7 is all about developing a set of beliefs that allow you when everything else in the world is falling apart, it, that allows you to stay together. Jesus will get to the end of Matthew chapter seven and say, when it feels like the world is collapsing around you, you and your family can stay strong if you have this foundation of faith. So we've been learning these foundations one at a time. We've gone through three. Today, we'll learn number four. Here are the goals of today's Bible study. One, we wanna learn the reality and we wanna hear the warning against false prophets and their teaching. The reality is there are false prophets out there. The warning we need is who are they? And what are they teaching? If you have your Bibles and you haven't already, let's go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter seven. Take out your notes. By the way, today's notes are keepers. Like most times on Sunday morning, if you take paper notes by the end of the week, you've probably thrown those away. This is, this is one of those notes that you get in church that you'll keep in your Bible for, for years and years and years because you'll, you'll go back and reflect on it time and time again. So use today's notes. If you're uh, following along on the app at the end of this sermon You need to email those notes to yourself. You need to print them out, put it in your Bible. You'll use these over and over and over again. I have too much to say, too little time to say it. So just follow fast, but take good notes today in Matthew 7. And then number two, we want to understand why false prophets are so prevalent and what their dangerous teaching is. We're going to look at three main areas that almost every false prophet will identify themselves by. And I'm going to give you what I call kind of the 10 commandments of false teaching. I'm going to give you the 10 areas that allow you very easily to know their false teacher, and allow you to spot them. Those are the goals of this morning. We always ask God to kind of slow our pulse down a little bit and clear the clutter of our heart and speak to us before we read Scripture. So would you pray with me this morning just briefly? Take a deep breath and two prayers. One, confess to God anything in your heart or mind that's distracting you right now that might keep you from hearing from Him. And just ask him to clear that away so he can speak to you. Have an open mind and an open heart to learn today. God, we confess that our world is filled with chaos, clutter, confusion, distraction, discouragement. And so many times those things weigh so heavily on our heart we aren't able to receive from you. So God, clear those things away in these moments and speak to our hearts. Jesus, we desire to live with such a firm foundation that nothing in life that we experience or hear can shake us from your grip. So use today to help us take steps toward that foundation. That's our prayer, and we ask it in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 7, we're going to go verse 15 through 20 today. Jesus says, watch out. You might circle those two words, watch out. It's a Greek word. The word picture of of those two words, watch out, is the picture of holding something as far away as you can. It's a picture of taking your brain out of your head and holding it as far away as you can from something that your right hand is holding back. The phrase, watch out, Jesus is literally saying, protect your head and your heart from false teachers. Protect it. Keep it away from false teachers. They come to you in sheep's clothing, But inwardly, they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you'll recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree can't bear bad fruit. A bad tree can't bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by your fruit, you will recognize them. So last Friday night, Danielle and I are downtown Kansas City. I just finished up a wedding for a young lady in our church who's been kind of under my Bible teaching her and her family since she's 10. So 15 years, she's 25 now. And as we walked out of her wedding venue on Grand down uh, downtown Kansas City, I looked kind of two blocks Um, To the south a little bit and I saw a building and a sign that I had not seen in kansas city before I saw this massive building with a huge lit up sign that said the church of scientology And asked danielle, when do we get one of those? Not not like new barbecue restaurant. I want to try it but like hey like when how long has that been here? because um I saw that sign 20 years ago as a student pastor, I used to take my youth ministry to Los Angeles to do ministry on Skid Row. We'd go minister to the lost and the least. We'd go into all the parks that were so gang infested that churches couldn't go, and we'd do a little kids program. And the exit that we used to get off to do ministry in downtown Los Angeles was the exit of the Church of Scientology Celebrity Center. So, same sign, except the words Celebrity Center underneath it. It's where um, Tom Cruise and John Travolta and all the, all, the, all the celebrities would go to do their Scientology thing. And as we pulled off the exit, the kids are like, What is that? And what What does that mean? And, um, you know, what, what do they teach and why is it wrong? So I had to 20 years ago, begin to dig into false teaching, false teachers, and figure out what was being taught that was contrary to the good teaching that Jesus gives us. I have learned that if you want to have a strong spiritual defense, you have to know the enemy's offense. Like if you want to hold the line on your faith, You have to know how the enemy's trying to get across. You have to know what their game plan is to kind of penetrate your heart and your head and your life and your relationships. And that's what today is about. Watch out for false teachers because Jesus says to us, they are dangerous shepherds. Man, watch out for false teachers. Watch out for false prophets because they are dangerous shepherds. He says in verse 15, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. He didn't say they look like sheep, but they're really wolves. He said they wear sheep's clothing. Sheep do not wear sheep's clothing. They're just sheep. They just have it. But shepherds wear sheep's clothing. It would keep them warm when the sun would begin to set in those desert regions where they were watching over their flocks. Shepherds were meant to protect the flock who could not protect themselves, direct the flock who could not direct themselves, take care of them and get them home safely. And Jesus said, there are people out there who are gonna act like they're gonna protect you and direct you and get you home spiritually, but they are not, watch out for them. They look like shepherds who are trying to lead you in the right direction, but they are not, they're false prophets. Now, for us to know what a false prophet is, we have to know what a prophet is. So let's just look biblically, let's glance back at scripture and see what a prophet is. A prophet is one who has been called by God to speak for God, to connect people to God. In our Old Testament scriptures, what, we, what our Jewish friends call the Hebrew Bible, 18 of the 39 books in the Old Testament have the name of a prophet, starting with Samuel, ending with Malachi. So almost half of them were men who were called by God to speak on behalf of God, to connect the nation of Israel to God. The last and the greatest prophet would be a man named Jesus, who would come from God, carrying the message of God to connect people to God. When we look at a prophet, we look back at people who were divinely called and ordained with a message from God to connect people to God. So in scripture, a false prophet was the opposite. It was one who had neither been called by God nor speaks for God, yet they claim to do both with the desire to separate people from God. So they will say, God told me to tell you. And God did not tell them to tell you. And what they're going to say to you is actually going to lead you away from God, not towards God. Now, Scripture says some crazy, thing about, some crazy things about false prophets. First time it talks about false prophets, Deuteronomy chapter 13. If a prophet or one who foretells by dreams appears among you and announces to you a sign or a wonder. And if the sign or wonder spoken takes place and the prophet says, let's follow the other gods, gods you have not known, and let's worship them. You must not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer. The Lord your God is testing you to find out whether you love him with all your heart and with all your soul. You say, Christian, you said these were crazy verses. I don't see anything crazy. Look closer. Look at the yellow. If a prophet or one who foretells by dreams appears among you and announces to you a sign or a wonder, and then they do it. Like somebody shows up and says, I'm going to do something supernatural. And then, they, and then they do it. But their message is, let us follow other gods, gods you have not known, let us worship them. God says, don't do it. You say, how, how could a false prophet have real power? That's a great question. Because false prophets have real power. Because they are fueled by a real supernatural satanic power. And when we study false prophets in Scripture, the false prophets of Scripture were demonically motivated. They were demonically supported. False prophets do have real power. And Jesus said the false prophets of our age would be the exact same. In Matthew 24, the disciples said, hey, tell us what the end of the world is going to be like. And he said this, for the end times, which I believe are our times false messiahs and false prophets will appear and they will perform great signs and wonder, but with the intention of deceiving you. This is Jesus saying, false prophets have real power, look out. They're demonically motivated. They are demonically supported. Jesus didn't just teach it. He endured it. The chief demon himself, Satan, also called the devil in scripture, showed up in his life and said, let me help you. Let me help you. He showed up to Jesus and he said, let me help you pursue the purpose of God in your life without having to go through the process that God wants you to go through. I've got a way to do it easier. I've got a way to do it better. I can help. I can supernaturally offer you the help that you need to fulfill God's purpose in your life without going through God's purpose in your life. So Satan's willing to promise the supernatural to keep Jesus from following God's plan for his life and his false prophets are going to do the same thing for his followers. They're not going to look like atheists boycotting the church. They're going to look like preachers leading the church. And they're going to say, let me help you connect to God and follow God and fulfill God's purpose for your life without having to walk through all the processes that God has set up. They want to help you fulfill God's purpose without God's process. They promise They will make you closer to God. But Jesus says they will, in fact, separate you from God. But you got to watch out because they look like Christian preachers. For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, Paul says, masquerading as apostles of Christ. They're not picketing the church. They're leading it. They're leading it. And no wonder for Satan himself masqueraded as an angel of light. Notice Satan didn't show up at the desert and tell Jesus, don't do what God has asked you to do. He said, do what God has asked you to do. Just take a shortcut. You don't have to do it the way God says you have to do it. I want to help you. I want to help you make sure the world worships you. He was a liar. And false prophets are liars trying to pretend they're going to connect you to God while really separating you from God. Now, what are three types of false prophets? Let's just walk through some of these as we learn today. The first type is an apostate. You say, what is an apostate? It's a false teacher who has rejected the faith, and they want others to reject the faith as well. For those of you who read and study in this kind of area of Christianity, Bart Ehrman would be an apostate. Bart Ehrman used to be a professor of New Testament and Old Testament history. He is a Bible scholar of the best degree when it comes to the New Testament and Old Testament manuscripts. However, when his life began to fall apart and his marriage began to fall apart, his faith fell apart. He decided he no longer believed and he basically now has an agenda, writing books and speaking, trying to get everyone else to not believe either. He's an apostate. He has walked away from his faith. He wants everyone else to walk away from their faith as well. The second type is a heretic, letter B. A heretic is a false teacher who's rejected Scripture, but they're kind of still teaching a a false gospel. I would put Rob Bell in letter B, a heretic. I do not believe what the Bible says. I still follow Jesus. You say, how's that even possible? It's not. It's heresy. That's why heretics say, you don't have to believe the Bible you can follow Jesus. That's heresy. It's not true. You cannot reject scripture yet still preach the gospel. Like It does not work that way. And letter C is a deceiver. It's a false teacher disguised as a Christian who intentionally misleads people spiritually by teaching a combination of the truth and half-truths, the truth and left-out truths, the truth or, or, or additional truths like I mean, they really look like they are leaning into Scripture and Jesus, but they're not telling you the whole truth. They're leaving certain parts out, or they're disagreeing with some parts. I believe popular author Jen Hatmaker could fit into letter C. When we give the ten signs of the kind of the ten commandments of false apostles, false apostles you'll see you'll see some of her new teaching rising up, and you'll think, mm, "Yeah, that she might she might be a deceiver." Not spoken to her, couldn't know for sure, but. It appears someone who teaches a little bit of the truth but not all the truth. Someone who teaches a little bit of the truth but then tells you that part of the truth is not there or people who add to like, I would say the faith healer movement also falls in letter C. I teach everything in the Bible but then I add my own stuff to benefit me too. I would say that's, that's probably a deceiver. And Jesus in Matthew chapter seven is warning us about letter B and about letter C. He is saying, watch out. Take your brain and your heart out of your head and hold the thing as far as your arms will spread. Like, keep it away. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. What would he say about the end times, our times, Matthew 24? At that time, many are going to turn away from the faith and they're going to betray and hate each other. And many false prophets are going to appear and they're going to deceive many people. So Jesus gives us this warning. Watch out. They're out there and they're trying to deceive you. Hopefully, the question you're asking is, how can I keep from being deceived? How can I know when I'm following a false prophet? Can you help me understand who a false prophet is and who a false prophet is not? How can I recognize them? Everybody say recognize. That's the thought. Turn to someone and say, you better recognize. Like, that, like, that is the thought. Like, Jesus is saying, you better recognize false teachers. You better recognize false teachers. Are you going to be in trouble spiritually? Say, how do I recognize false teachers? Jesus said they'll have bad fruit. They'll have bad fruit. These dangerous shepherds, if you just watch them closely, they're going to have bad fruit. It's how you'll recognize them. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. A bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree can't bear bad fruit. A bad tree can't bear good fruit. Every tree that doesn't bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you'll recognize them. So the goal of this message is not just to warn you, hey, false teachers are out there, good luck. The goal of this message is, hey, there are false teachers out there, let me show you how to recognize them. Because their fruit is bad and their fruit is dangerous. Their fruit is bad and their fruit is dangerous. So if I would ask you what fruit you saw here, you might say, "Hmm, you know, might look like a little apple, might, you know, might, might be a pear. This tree is indeed called the little apple tree. The only state in America it grows in is Florida because it mostly grows in the Caribbean. It grows in Mexico as well. That's where you find it in North America. It's the most dangerous, deadly tree in North America. It's called the manchineal tree, and its fruit is terribly poisonous. As a matter of fact, if you pull one of these little apples off this tree, walking down the beach in Florida and take a bite within 30 minutes, your throat will have swollen shut and you will have died. If within 30 minutes, your intestines do not begin to bleed out first. It's that toxic and septic because of the sulfur and the acid quality that's in this. You actually by law have to post a sign on this tree if you have one near you or the government municipalities have one in their area. You have to post a a sign on the tree because if it's raining and you stand under this tree and the rain drops from the leaves of the tree onto you, it literally will burn right through your skin. It's like just dropping sulfur on your skin. They post signs on the trees because if you were to park your car under the tree and the sap of one of these pieces of fruit would hit your car, it would not destroy your paint job. It would burn right through the car all the way to the ground. It's bad fruit it looks like good fruit, but it's bad fruit. It's fruit that will kill you. And Jesus says, false teachers produce fruit that will kill you. You say, how can I recognize their bad fruit? Two ways, their students and their doctrine. The fruit of a false teacher can consist of two things. Fruit is what they produce. So their students who follow them or their doctrine or teaching that they teach. Now, let's start with the students because we ask this question, why is false teaching so prevalent? The platform of false teachers is built by the motivation of false followers. I'm gonna say it again, then I'm gonna give you an illustration to help you understand what I'm saying. The platform, the platform that false teachers stand on is built by the motivation of false followers. So my first year in college, when I graduated from high school, I wanted to be an attorney. That's what I thought was going to be my future. So almost all my classes were history, government, or business, if I took any kind of electives at all. So I took economics 101, econ 101, my freshman year at Liberty University fall semester. And, and one of the exercises, one of the homework assignments we had was on the principle of supply and demand. And we had to do a, we had to do a pricing exercise um, on the principle of, of the law of, su- of supply and demand. And, and the exercise went like this. A factory made 1,000 gadgets... And they put them in a store at $10 per gadget and they sold one the first week. So they dropped it to $9 a gadget and they sold 10 the second week. And they kept dropping it in the sixth week, they dropped it to $6.37 and they sold out in a day. That was the place where the supply and the demand at that price point was there. That like, that's what you could sell that gadget for. So they had to figure out how to make it for less than that because there was a demand for the supply at that level. Now, let's take this to our message. If there was only a demand for biblical truth in the world, there would be no supply of false teachers. If there was only a demand for truth, biblical truth, there would be no supply of false teachers. But there's a massive supply of false teachers, which means there's a huge demand of false followers saying, Tell me what I want to hear. I don't want to hear the truth. I want to hear something other than the truth. And I demand you tell me what I want to hear. It means there are so many people who have said, I don't like all of this, that they have created kind of, they've become their own God. They've created their own worldview. They've created their own scripture. And they've said, now that I have all that figured out, who can I find that will teach that to me? The reason there is such a supply of false teachers is because there's a massive supply of false followers who are creating basically their own God, their own scripture, their own religion, and they're looking for their own prophets, thinking, now that I know what I believe and how I want to live, who will teach me that? And there is an endless supply of people willing to teach those things, but it's always been that way. Let me show you some shocking verses in the Old Testament about false teachers God said to Isaiah, these are rebellious people, speaking of his children, Israel, deceitful children, children unwilling to listen to the Lord's instruction. They say to the seers, see no more visions. They say to the prophets, give us no more visions of what is right. Just tell us pleasant things. Just make it up. Can you, like, can, like when I come to church, can you just tell me things that make me feel good, even if you have to make it up? Sound familiar? I wanna go to a church where when I leave, I feel better about myself and I literally don't care if the guy made it up. If it makes me feel better, that's what I want. What God said to Jeremiah is even worse. A horrible and shocking thing has happened in the land. The prophets are prophesying lies. The priests are ruling by their own authority and the people love it. The shocking thing was not that there were false prophets or that priests had changed the rules of God's standard. The shocking thing to God was when the prophets started lying and the priests changed the rules, the people loved it because it was just so much easier. God said, people are just making up stuff. And man, the pews are filled because people love it. Paul told Timothy, it's going to continue that way until the end. The time's gonna come when people won't put up with sound doctrine instead to suit their own desires. They're gonna gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears wanna hear. They're gonna figure out what they want to hear. They're gonna figure out what feels good. They're gonna figure out what's easy and they're gonna find someone to teach them that. There is such a supply of false followers that they are demanding. False teachers step in and tell them what they want to hear. Now, here's a good question. Why don't people who reject God's teaching just go ahead and reject God? That would make it easier on those of us who are like trying to follow. Like, why don't people who who read through this and think, don't like that, don't like that, don't like that, hate that, don't like that, don't like that, that, yeah, I'm not doing that. Why don't they say, guess I'm not a Christian, guess I'm walking away, don't don't need that God. If you bail on the truth, why not bail on the God? That it seems like that would make things easier for us. But God says, even in that there's purpose because God said, I'm going to use false proof prophets to strengthen the doctrine and resolve of my true followers. I mean, I could get rid of them all. And one day I will get rid of them all. But as long as they're there, I'm going to use them to strengthen my church. I'm going to use them to force my church to study. I'm going to use them to make them answer questions. I'm going to use them to push my true followers closer to who I am. So Paul's writing to the church in Corinth and he's like, there's all different kinds of people teaching all different kinds of things. But then Paul says this, no doubt, I guess there have to be to show which of you have God's approval. I guess God is using some of this false teaching to really help narrow the focus of those who are really solid believers. You say, Christian, okay, if if I have to have good doctrine, and the only way I can know false doctrine is by having good doctrine. But some of the people teaching doctrine aren't even telling the truth. Like how 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 do I get to a point where I can learn what I'm supposed to know if not everyone is teaching the same thing? That's a great question. That's the right question. And it's part of kind of our new discipleship pathway that we're laying out as we head into the next 10 years of ministry at Journey. As we put together this program called our Discipleship Tracks, one of those tracks is a scripture track that is designed to teach you good, proper doctrine, biblical worldview. It literally is a one-year class, about 28 classes, 14 in the fall, 14 in the spring, that's just called a tour of the Bible. Because what happens is people memorize their three or four favorite verses like in the New Testament, but they have no idea how this book works. They have no idea how this book came together. They have no idea how this book fits together spiritually. So we're going to, over the course of 28 weeks... Teach a class called Tour of the Bible. It's going to have a little bit of theology, a little bit of doctrine, a little bit of apologetics. And we're going to try to set you on the firm foundation of understanding this book so you can move forward spiritually. Some of you, this is your very next step spiritually. So how do I know if it's my next spiritually? If you have kids between the ages of 15 and 25, you better have good doctrine because someone's teaching them bad doctrine and they're going to come say, what's true? Mom and dad, you need to know. If you, if you lead a small group... And you have someone in your small group that you're just sure in your heart has bad doctrine, but you can't explain why, you need to take a class on good doctrine so you can help them. If you have someone in your serve group or in your friend group who's doing things that you know are biblically wrong, but you're you're not able to tell them why because you don't understand the Bible well enough, this is your next step. Step, take, Take the scripture track. If you have people that you work with who are asking you questions about what Christians believe, but you don't have this real firm understanding of scripture. Like this is your next step. It's why I put in the bulletin, this little card that says JCI discipleship tracks. Cause we're asking people today who say, I need better doctrine to sign up, to get information about this class this fall, to drop this in the box when you leave and say that my next step, I'm a small group leader at journey, but I need to unplug from my small group for a year. Cause I honestly can't answer any other questions and I need to learn the Bible. Or I'm in a small group, and I love my friends, but I need to unplug from my small group for a year and really learn the Bible because people at my work are asking me questions that I don't know. Or I'm a parent of a child who's in a public school or a public university, and every day they're being told why the Bible can't be trusted, why it's not true, why it's not real. I better learn some of this stuff. This is your next step. This is your next step. You need to fill this out. You need to drop it in the box when you go. And when you get the email, you need to try as many Sunday nights as you can. It'll be on Sunday evening to come learn good doctrine and scripture. If you didn't grab a bulletin today, but you have a smartphone, you could text two words journey scripture to that number. We'll send you a link to this card. You can fill it out, send it back, and we'll reach out to you. This doesn't sign you up for the class. This just says, I know that's my next step spiritually. Can you help me grow? So that's, the, that's kind of the long-term application of this message. Some of you need a year of learning good doctrine. Say, so I don't have a year. I've got about another 15 minutes. Um, how can I identify false prophets? Can you go... Can you go quick? I'll try to go quick. Three areas that are going to kind of give us the 10 commandments of false teaching. If you hear these, they identify false teaching. What are the three big areas? Number one, they always reject the sole authority of the scriptures. Listen closely. On, On your notes, circle the word soul. Because a lot of them will say the scripture has authority, but not that it is the only authority of God. So how does this look? Let me give you three ways. Some will reject the Bible's moral standards. The Bible says, but you don't need to do that. Um, Letter B, some will reject its current and eternal authority. That one sounds like this. The Bible says, and it meant it 2,000 years ago. But come on, it's 2021. God doesn't mean that anymore. So they reject that it's still current, that it's still valid. Letter C, they add their authority alongside or even above Scripture. Yes, the Bible says, and I say, or but I say, let me show you how this works in the church world today. A is lib- is the liberal church. Yes, I know what the Bible says, but you don't have to do that. They just reject like here's God's standard. they say, yeah, you don't have to do that, and it's just that clear. God says, but I say, you don't have to do that. Letter B is kind of the progressive movement in the Christian church. Progressive means this um, that what God meant had to have progressed because it 's been two thousand years like of course, God meant 2,000 years ago, everything in Matthew 7. But come on, it's 2021. Surely God's truth has progressed past that. It's got to have changed. That's what letter B is. Letter C, I call kind of the, the word of faith movement. God, is, like God has given me a word for you. Just like, he, just like he spoke to like the prophets and the apostles. As a matter of fact, there's a, a new movement within the world of Christianity called the New Apostolic Reformation It's known by the acronym NAR, N-A-R. And according to this, around the turn of the millennium, 2000, 2001, God reinstituted for the first time in 2000 years the offices of Old Testament prophet, New Testament apostle. There hadn't been any for 2000 years, but God changed his mind. And now, just like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Malachi prophesied, like told the whole world something from God that only they knew, those, those guys and gals are here again. And just like the Apostle Peter and Apostle Paul were commissioned to give truth to his church, like, the, like those people are here too. The new apostolic reformation. What they, what they fail to understand is that the reason God spoke through prophets in the Old Testament to tell his people what he needed to tell them is because the Holy Spirit wasn't available to every believer. So one had to tell all, like the Spirit would come, come on them and they'd tell everyone what they needed to hear. So all the Old Testament prophets pointed to Jesus. And all the New Testament apostles were attached from Jesus and taught from Jesus. The last one, a guy by the name of John who received the final revelation, the final revealing of who Jesus was, who after he wrote his book called Revelation, Jesus basically said, now at the end, write the end. But right before that, write this. If anyone tries to add to this scripture, like they've heard some word from me, nobody has... I'm going to add plagues to their life. And if anyone tries to subtract it, I'm going to subtract blessings from their life. Like, this is it, the end. It didn't say this is it for 2,000 years, and then Bill and Benny are coming and like listen to what they say next. Like, that's not not what it said. And there's a really dangerous movement going on in Christianity right now where people believe they're they're an Old Testament prophet or they're a New Testament apostle. And I'm not talking about someone who's like, I've got the gift of prophecy and what that means is the Holy Spirit has like, has like shown me an area in your life that needs encouragement or exhortation so like the Holy Spirit in me has given me like I feel like I need to encourage you or exhort you like I feel like I need to minister to you I'm saying somebody it up and saying thus saith the Lord God told me this for the entire world watch out because that is how every cult in the history of the world started when someone says I'm going to write another book Another gospel of Jesus Christ. Like, watch out. Anytime someone adds to the last few pages, well, it's been 2,000 years, so let's write more. That's always dangerous. So watch out. Be aware that you may be probably dealing with a false teacher. Number two, they permit and promote an unbiblical standard of morality. I, by the way, believe this is the driving force of of most of the false teachers. They don't want to live like God wants them to live. So how does this look? Four ways. Letter A, primarily they're going to teach the love of God rather than the law of God. God is love, period. You don't have to learn anything else. Just God is love. Don't worry about anything else. God is love. That's all that matters. Letter B, they primarily teach grace and almost entirely avoid the cross. As a matter of fact, the progressive Christian movement hates the cross because it makes God mean. And they don't want to worship a God that's mean because why would God ever want to punish sin. That's mean. That would hurt people's feelings. That's mean. So they let her see, reject the notion of punishment for sin. God is love. So he shows grace, period, end of story. Don't worry about anything else. As a matter of fact, the only sin deserving punishment is intolerance for what they believe. Anything and everything you believe that you want to do is fine because God doesn't even judge sin. Unless you're judging me, then God's going to send you to hell that's the really bad one. To be intolerant or to say there's absolute truth, can't do that. God hates that. He loves everything else, but he, but he hates that for sure. And then letter D, they live from the standard of happiness rather than holiness with an eye on culture rather than Christ. I call this the gospel of Oprah. It's like, find out, like find a, find a spiritual thing that helps you, that makes you happy, that leads your family. You be you. You do you. Find something that makes you happy. Let's just figure out how to help everyone in the culture get along. The standard is happiness. The lens is culture. The standard is not holiness. The lens is not Jesus. Almost all false teachers will fall in line with A, B, C, D. The liberal church primarily teaches the love of God rather than the law of God. God loves everyone. Universalism, period. Don't need to teach anyone else. The progressive Christian church will teach B. God has so much grace. God forgives everyone don't worry about anything else. They'll both reject the punishment for sin unless you're intolerant, then you should be punished for sin. And it's because they just want everyone to be happy and, they, and they're kind of bowing to the culture rather than to the Christ. So we got to be careful when they permit and promote an unbiblical standard of morality. And then finally, number three, how do we identify false prophets? They work to put the path of salvation in people's own hands. Basically, they're trying to help you be religious without God. They're trying to help you be spiritual without Jesus. So they put everything in your hands. What do do they do? Let me give you three areas. Letter A, they create a salvation that is Jesus minus something. That's the liberal church. Just have Jesus. Don't worry about anything else. Just have Jesus. Just Jesus. Just Jesus. Don't worry about anything else. That's Jesus minus something. There's also kind of the legalistic, cultic churches that create a salvation that's Jesus plus something. So once you have Jesus, then you add all this other stuff, then you can do it. This is where the word of faith crowd gets in a little bit of trouble because they have Jesus plus. And by the way, if you study real carefully, the new New apostolic reformation, they will say the proof that they are prophets and apostles is they can do signs and wonders. It's proof. Who did Jesus say would do signs and wonders in the last times? The false prophets, not the real ones, the false ones. So they got a problem in their theology right there that Jesus plus what I do shows you that you need to follow me. Some of us grew up in a legalistic church that has this bent too. It's like Jesus plus never miss church, teach Sunday school, give 10% of your money, go on a mission trip, or you're going to go to hell. And it's like, hang on. I don't think, I don't think those last four in the Bible, like as conditions to go to heaven. I think I think that's just you and your church. And it's like, yeah, that's just us and our church. So like some of you grew up in a church like that. Like your pastor would call you and your salvation was dependent on what you did for the church, not how even close you were to Jesus. And it's like, run, like run from churches like that. And then let her see they create a salvation based on the heart of man rather than the heart of God. Kind of their theme song is Luke Bryan's, I believe most people are good. It's like, no, 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 Luke. I, I love every Luke Bryan song, but that one. I don't believe most people are good. I believe all people are broken, but I believe God is good, and I believe all people can become righteous through Jesus. They can have a perfect standing before God, but not because most people are good, because Jesus is good, and he offers us what we cannot have on our own, what we do not have on our own. So let's summarize it in a sentence. False teachers are going to twist the scriptures. They're going to lower God's standard of morality. They're going to take salvation out of Jesus' hands. They're going to place it in your own hands, or they're going to place it in in their hands. Here's what you need to do to be saved. Now, how big a deal is this spiritually? So far in this book, Moses has talked about it. Isaiah has talked about it. Jeremiah has talked about it. Jesus has talked about it. Paul has talked about it. Just so we don't leave out any of the big boys, the apostle Peter is going to talk about it. There were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They're going to secretly, which means you won't even know it's happening if if you're not watching out for it. They're going to secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them. What does that mean? They're going to deny that God is in charge or that you need to be redeemed, that you need to be forgiven. God is not in charge and no one needs to be forgiven. Everybody's okay, unless you're intolerant. They're bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many are going to follow. their depraved conduct and are going to bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers are going to exploit you with fabricated stories. They're just going to make stuff up. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them. Their destruction has not been sleeping. God is aware he's going to do something about it. Don't be afraid, but be aware. Jesus didn't say be afraid. He said be aware. Be aware of false teachers. That's what Peter is teaching us too. Be aware. That's why John says, as we almost close the canon of Scripture in 1 John 4.1, Dear friends, don't believe every spirit. Test them. Learn what good doctrine is so you can spot bad doctrine. Test the spirits to see whether they're from God, because there's going to be a lot of false prophets who have gone into the world. The goal is not to be afraid of them, but to be aware of them and to spot them when you see them. So how do we avoid them? I'm going to go really fast now. We know how to see them. How do we avoid them? Letter A, learn good doctrine so you can immediately spot the bad. That's the best way. Sign up for the class. The best way to avoid false teachers is to learn good doctrine so clearly that as soon as you hear false doctrine, you think, that's not true. Letter B, understand what false teachers teach so that you can easily spot it. I am reading with our interns, 28 college interns. This book this summer, it's called Another Gospel by Elisa Childers. And basically, it is how to understand if you're being led by a liberal or a progressive Christian leader because they're starting on the college campuses. So we told our college students that are interning with us, the most important thing we can do is arm you to know what is true, what is not. Guard your heart, guard your mind. 28 of our college interns are reading this book with me and we'll sit down and have a probably four-hour discussion with it about it before they go back to school. Let us see. Trust that God is gonna use false teachers to strengthen his church and to ultimately... And he ultimately is going to judge them for deceiving his children. Listen, don't be afraid of false teachers. Just realize God, be annoyed. I'm annoyed. But know that like God's going to use it. Just trust God. God's going to use it. And then letter D, pray for the hearts of false followers. Because most of them have not been intellectually deceived, they've been spiritually deceived. They have shaped a theology for themselves that says, I don't want to follow God his way, so I'm going to find my way. Most of them have not been intellectually confused. They've been spiritually disobedient, so they found prophets who will support that. So they they need us to pray for their hearts, probably more than their mind. You say, why is that? Because the end is not good. Every tree that doesn't bear good fruit is cut down. And thrown into the fire It's a picture of people who choose to spend their life Away from God Living in an eternity in the fires of hell Because they said I don't want to do God's thing God's way So we pray Six spiritual foundations Over six weeks Today's number four Let's review the first three and get out of here Spiritual foundation number one My sin's got to be judged Because it's my sin that caused Jesus to die on the cross Live from the plank You'll always see to help someone remove the speck Foundation number two, my Savior is available for constant relational access that's gonna meet my physical and my spiritual needs. God is good. He does want you to be fulfilled, which means if he says, do something, it will fulfill you. And if he says, don't do something, it ultimately is not going to fulfill you. You gotta trust him. Foundation number three, last week, my path to follow Jesus is narrow. Most people are gonna choose not to follow it, but once I find that out, it makes me love them more and longer till the day that I die. And then today, foundation number four, my doctrine got to cling to Jesus, got to cling to the scriptures, got to cling to his standards for my life while understanding and withstanding false teachers and bad doctrine. I got to not only know what's right, I got to be able to withstand what's wrong. I got to do what Paul told Timothy, watch your life and doctrine closely. Why? Because if you do, you're going to save both yourself and your hearers. Parents, our our kids need us to watch our life and doctrine closely. Grandparents, our, our grandkids need us to watch our life and doctrine closely. Coaches, teachers, our players and our students need us to watch our life and our doctrine closely. Small group leaders, your small group needs you to watch your life and doctrine closely. Those of you who are neighbors with people trying to figure out Jesus, they need you to have it right so that they can get it right. They need you to be a disciple who makes disciples, who makes disciples, who makes disciple. Be a disciple who has good doctrine. Make a disciple who has good doctrine. What is God saying to your heart? What are your next steps? Move forward in this area. It'll help you And someone else Would you pray with me as we consider those things Lord we had a lot to say And not a ton of time to say it But thank you for what you taught us Heads are bowed and eyes are closed All over the room If you're here today Are you where you need to be In order to be strong in the area of doctrine If not are you willing to make a commitment To be stronger A one year commitment to get stronger Maybe that's your next step today. Do you know a false follower who's found a false teacher to give them what they want to hear? If you do, pray for their heart right now. They don't have an intellectual problem. They have a heart problem. They just need to fully come to Jesus and trust him. Pray for their heart to trust Jesus. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I wanna tell you, you can trust him. He's good. He loves you. He lived for you. He did die on a cross because your sin had to be punished. But God loves you so much, he was willing to punish someone else other than you. Also, you could be forgiven and close to him and right with God. If you've never received the love and the grace and the direction of Jesus, you can do that today. Say, how do I do that? You just open up your heart and receive him in prayer. If you don't know how to do that, I'll say a prayer that you can repeat after me. You don't have to pray out loud just from your heart to heaven. Just pray something like this, Jesus, I need you. Just repeat after me, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me for my sin. Cleanse me from my past. Heal me of my hurts. Lead me into my future. Today, I surrender my life to your leadership I ask for your salvation and I ask for help to trust you. If you just prayed that prayer with me in just a second, I'll let you know how you can tell us, reach out to us so we can pray for you, maybe even pray with you or give you some information about how you can begin your walk with Jesus. But for the Christians in the room, Jesus, we collectively pray together today and we say thank you. Thank you for caring about us enough to warn us for what's dangerous to our souls. Help us to watch our life and our doctrine closely so that by it, we will preserve both our souls and spiritual life and the souls of those that we lead and live with spiritually. That's our prayer. We can't do it without you. So help us, Lord. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Hey, just.